Hi, everybody. Welcome back to MedTech Talk, the only podcast affiliated with the MedTech Conference. MedTech Conference is happening on June 1st. For information about the event that's coming up, go to medtechconference.com. If you click on the agenda on medtechconference.com, you'll see at the very top, we'll have our keynote conversation between today's guest, Stacey Enzing Seng, who's a venture partner at Lightstone Ventures and formerly of Covidian and EV3. And Stacey will be sitting down with Jeff Martha, who is Executive Vice President of the Restorative Therapies Group at uh, Medtronic. Jeff has had a key role in the integration of Covidian and Medtronic and of uh, helping to craft uh, Medtronic's move into total solutions. So it's going to be a, a really fascinating conversation between two senior execs in MedTech. And Stacy in this interview, will hit upon some of the points that she would like to talk about uh, on June 1st when she uh, sits down with Jeff. In this conversation with Stacy, we also talked about her time at Covidian, uh, her decision uh, to, not, to not go forward with the, uh, the giant created by Medtronic Covidian, and uh, her view on, uh, on MedTech funding and why she joined a great firm like Lightstone Ventures. So hope you enjoy this visit with Stacey Enzing-Seng, who is uh, one of our favorite people and a real, a real resource for the MedTech Conference. All right, well, Stacey Enzing-Seng, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's nice to be talking with you, Tom. It's nice to have you here, and uh, we're very grateful to have you involved in the, the MedTech Conference. You're actually going to be uh, our leadoff hitter uh, at the conference. Uh, we've got you uh, lined up to do a great interview with, uh, with Jeff Martha from Medtronic. Any, uh, any insights on what that conversation might include at this point? Well, I certainly think it could cover a lot of topics because Medtronic has done such an outstanding job kind of covering both technology and the changing healthcare landscape. But what I'm hoping to get from Jeff is really his talk about, you know, Medtronic's drive into the global services. They've made a tremendous number of acquisitions in 2015. What they kind of see is their acquisition appetite and perhaps some of the innovation models that they're applying and um, really in his role now, heading restorative therapies, he's running really four of the major divisions central to Medtronic's growth rate, you know, how he's finding this operational leadership role in Medtronic and how he's seen his business transform uh, as Medtronic is transforming. So I think it'll be a really terrific discussion. He's a great guy. And uh, he just has, I think, a terrific personality and demeanor. And I think he's going to be really open. And I'm hoping we're going to have a terrific conversation. How do you view that that push of Medtronics? And how do other people in MedTech view it? Is it, uh, I mean, it's very real. They're obviously doing something different. But is there is there a feeling among some who just feel like, well, it's it's just sort of putting some dressing on, on MedTech? Or, or do, do you think it really represents a seismic shift in how MedTech is done? No, I do think it represents seismic possibility. Mm -hmm. I guess I would phrase it that way. And, uh, you know, I am positively biased toward them for many reasons. One, I think that Omar Ishraq is an extremely refreshing CEO. I think he's very transparent. He is clearly bullish and passionate about technology. But I think as a med tech CEO, he's done a great job of seeing the positive side of med tech 
helping to influence the broader needs in healthcare, which is, of course, very much in line with this value conversation. And, you know, I think he's importantly asking his team and asking of entrepreneurs and technologists to not only give us technology that's going to positively impact patient care, but demonstrate how it can lower the cost of care and improve the quality of care. And, you know, that has to at least start with a vision and an idea in mind for us all to be able to get there. And I think they've done a great job of that. I think they have messaged it well. I think they have been demonstrating through some of their acquisitions and some of their innovation service models. I think they've brought the needs of many of the global underdeveloped markets in which healthcare is so essential to the forefront and have been in alignment with this concept at least of if we can innovate and serve, if you will, population health, we can also backward innovate into developed health. And so there's a lot to be really positive about. And probably the only great debate that I've heard, you know, with Medtronic was when it came to the Covidian acquisition and this concept of the, you know, moving into an Irish company and, uh, you know, what that was doing to the fabric of U.S. healthcare. And you know what? I think they've met all the commitments that they made, which was, you know, this was clearly a strategic deal. And I think they've demonstrated how strategic it was um, and that they would take that cash that was trapped overseas and use it to invest in research and development and grow jobs and grow acquisitions and you know what, they've held up their level of commitment and I think in the process they're creating a stronger company. So, you know, you probably could talk to somebody out there that maybe would have some dings in the armor that they would try and explore. But from my perspective, I think they're starting with the right vision and they're putting their money where their mouth is. And I think they have, you know, a talented portfolio of technology to help change healthcare. And I do think there are some things in healthcare that need to change. Sure, for sure. So you mentioned the, the deal, and, and I think if we don't remember where we were when we heard it, we certainly, certainly remember what we, we thought when we heard of the, the deal between Medtronic and Covidian. Was this uh, something that you had anticipated, or did it kind of catch you out of the blue? You at the time, of course, were the president of uh, Peripheral Vascular at Covidian. Yes, I was president of vascular for Covidian, so it was peripheral and neurovascular, and um, I was not aware of the conversations that were in process. So I think what I was most surprised about was in our mind, or at least I'll make it specific to me, in my mind, the benefit of Covidian is we were, if you will, the acquirer. Mm -hmm. That was our mindset. That was my mindset in growing vascular. And so the biggest surprise was, oh, my gosh, we're the acquiree, <laughs> not the acquirer. And um, so from that perspective, there was some surprise. I will tell you instantaneously, I thought it made perfect sense. I loved the concept of it. And mostly it was because sitting in my shoes running peripheral and neurovascular, I really felt long term despite the tremendous success we had had and despite the success that had been created by Covidian's acquisition of EV3 and then Covidian 
plowing money and acquisitions into the legacy EV3 business, I did not think we would be able to be a leader in the space over time in vascular if we did not have the benefit of the cardiovascular portfolio. Hmm. And so from my mindset immediately when I heard about this, I thought to myself, wow, this is fantastic because we can enable the Medtronic portfolio on the peripheral vascular and neurovascular side. And obviously, you know, they're bringing a gorilla to the game with their cardiovascular portfolio. On top of that, Medtronic obviously did not have the other assets that Covidian had on the surgical side. And so instantaneously, if you kind of look at the power of strategic mass, which I've always been positively inclined toward, and you believe that healthcare systems would prefer high-quality portfolios from a single partner if they can, which I did believe, then immediately you thought to yourself, this makes unbelievably perfect sense. And then to back it up, as I said, I think Medtronic's just been consistently a great player across the healthcare space. So it was a high-quality team, and I thought so much of Covidian, and that was probably the perhaps uh, side that everybody had a little bit of sorrow about. Um, you know, I think I heard Brian Hansen say something like, we were in the fourth quarter of a game in this business that we'd created. And, you know, I think all of the executive team felt that way. We were doing a great job. Joe Almeida is an unbelievable CEO. Mm -hmm. There was just such talent resident in Covidian and such appetite and ambition. So it was a little strange all of a sudden to think, uh-oh, we're, you know, giving that up, if you will, and moving into another organization. But I think it's done been done very seamlessly, at least with what I can see. And, uh, you know, it's been generally all positive. And they really had just not, had just cleared the trees in terms of removing themselves, the, the, taking off and, and removing themselves from the whole Tyco uh, situation. But they really, it, it had taken a few years for Kividian to become a real force in medtech. And as a writer who wants to write about deals, it was a bit sad to see one of the two big buyers uh, disappear. And you guys were, were making a lot of news there at the time. We definitely were. And, you know, I do recognize the impact of that. But I, I go back to, you know, I think Medtronic has done an outstanding job. They've been obviously one of the leaders, if not the leader, in this last year as it relates to acquisitions. Um, you know, so it may be less than if Covidian and Medtronic were standalone, but you know, it's robust. I mm -hmm. mean, they're obviously looking at acquisition strategy as a big part of their growth strategy. Did you have an opportunity to remain at the company? Well, I would expect I would have. Everyone was so gracious and interested in talking about, you know, how I could continue to grow my career. But I was at perhaps a little bit of a different point and independent of the Medtronic acquisition had already had some discussions with Joe Almeida about how can I effectively transition myself out. I love what I'm doing, but what I'm looking to do at this point because of the success of the EV3 business and I had felt like we had fully integrated that into Covidian and, you know, done the work that we set out to do, 
at that stage in my life, I was looking to stay very engaged in driving strategy and building value, but without the day-to-day leadership demands. And that remained central to me because I have a middle schooler and I just felt at this point in my life, I wanted to be a little bit more available to my family, reduce some of my travel time while still figuring out how to stay pretty involved. And the path that I saw at that point was board of director work. Mm -hmm. And so I had discussions with Medtronic, but I knew in my heart that I didn't want to sign up for another, call it five-year operational leadership stint. And this has just kind of been my own rule. When I sign up for something, I want to know that, you know, I can see myself doing that and driving that and being all in on the commitment for a good, call it five to seven years. And I think I've demonstrated that in my career. Everything I've gone to do has been pretty long-term. So I didn't feel like I could make that level of commitment in good faith to Medtronic. And, um, but what I could do is move into this board of director work, which was really the transition that I took. And I feel so grateful to Covidian because they allowed me to start that process while I was at Covidian. Oh, that's interesting. And, and yeah, I would have to think that uh, as those two companies are coming together, you really would have to work twice as hard to sort of not only find your place in that company, but to sort of build the infrastructure around you to to succeed. It'd uh, be a real challenge, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know that it would be about working twice as hard, but it's about honoring your commitment, mm-hmm. you know, and being all in. I mean, that's the way that I kind of think about it. And I have felt so fortunate because all the organizations that I've worked with from American Hospital Supply to Baxter, Symed, Boston Scientific, EV3, Covidian, I have worked with executive teams that I think have been incredibly inspirational and accountable and all in on the responsibility of leadership. And it has been the greatest joy of my career. But it also requires a lot. And so I felt, you know, this is going to be a great opportunity opportunity for me, especially now at this transition point where Medtronic is acquiring Covidian, to step out and try some new things that can leverage some new skills and keep me very involved, but not in a day-to-day way. Do you have a your, – your career has a nice blend of, of big company and small company with EV3 for, I think, nine years, sort of helping that build out. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite time in your career, working small company or big company, or do you find joys in both? I have definitely found joys in both. And uh, I think in all of the experiences I've had, the great joy kind of comes from – getting through that, you know, maybe it's a little dramatic to call it the valley of death, but in all of those, whether they're small companies or big companies, you have those moments where you are just slogging through problems, but you're doing it with a team that feel like family and you come out the other side and you're standing on top of that mountain feeling success. I mean, those are the great joys and that's what I think makes it worth it. And when you're in a small company or a large company, there are those moments. And to me, it's always been about the people that you're on the journey with. And um, I've had the great fortune to experience that in both. I would say the biggest difference I found is that in the more small entrepreneurial organization, it is 
easier, if you will, to be more aligned as a team. And when you do get into a larger organization, I think as a leader, you have to have more leadership patience and challenge yourself to have some leadership patience to make sure that everybody is coming along on that journey. It's easier, I think, in larger organizations to get distracted uh, by what we would kind of call the useful many versus the vital few and how to keep everybody aligned really around the vital few strategies. I think when you're in a smaller organization, you know, that tends to, it's not that the task is any more easy, if you will, but it's easier to keep people on board and in alignment. Um, so it's sometimes, I think, more fun to be in an entrepreneurial company because, you know, you can just be on your bombing run a little bit more cleanly and clearly as the leader. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've really been, you know, I've had great experiences at both. Hi, everybody. Tom here. Just take a quick break to remind you to go to healthogy.com. Healthogy is the organizer of the MedTech Conference. Go to healthogy.com, spelled health, E-G-Y. Sign up for the MedTech Talk newsletter, which is a companion to this podcast. Sign up for MedTech Talk, and we will deliver this podcast as well as our videos and written content and reports directly to your inbox. So go to healthogy.com. And now back to this conversation with Stacy Enzing Seng of Lightstone. And and now let's get into your your next chapter. It's it's a this is the first time I believe you've worked for a venture firm. You're you're now a venture partner at Lightstone Ventures. Uh, how did that come about? Yeah, so you know it it probably was more than a jump into venture. It was as I said earlier, you know, initially more about jumping out of full time leadership. And so I had crafted doing the board work. Right now I'm working with four different companies, two public and two private, on their boards. And during my time at, you know, EV3 and Covidian, I was really very involved with um, basically venture-backed startup companies. And I could see that the VCs were so essential into being a farm team, if you will, for the strategics. And they were absolutely essential in, you know, growing the top-line growth rate as well as R&D. Specifically, Lightstone, I felt like they hit on all fronts. You know, the people at Lightstone, I, you know, I mentioned how important people are to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just was wholly impressed with Hank Plain and Mike Carusi, Jason Lutman, Hanson Gifford, and Mark Dean. Those guys I saw in action from afar. I saw in action when we were putting together the Fire One deal with Covidian Ventures. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, if I ever find myself with a chance to work with that group, I am definitely doing it. And so one thing led to another, and I thought to myself, I would love to work in venture because I do love creating and building companies. I would love to be on the front end of that and contributing my experiences over 25 years but also learning from an incredible group of individuals. And I like their focus on, you know, breakthrough, you know, disruptive plays where you can move the needle in a big way across healthcare. I liked the fact that, you know, their portfolio, they really welcome the strategics in on the investment. I think right now four out of five 
of their med tech investments have strategics in Series A. I liked the fact that they would back, you know, serial entrepreneurs. I mean, so many great names, Fred Kashravi and Dennis War, Andrew Cleveland. I mean, the list goes on. And I just thought what a great group to be part of to continue to try and grow this incredible med tech space. And, you know, so right now I'm only seven weeks in, um, but I'm really enjoying it very much. And they're an amazing team to be working with. What uh, the venture partner cam- comes with many different duties uh, or different duties, depending on the firm. What is your function at, at Lightstone? What will you be doing? Will you be sourcing deals, working with portfolio companies, all of the above? All of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have talked about it kind of with a blank canvas. Um, you know, I am being right now I'm getting involved in all the deal sourcing that's coming across the bow and being able to contribute some of my ideas. I'm talking with individuals to try and source ideas into the company, you know, for the right opportunity. Um, I clearly would make room for, you know, taking a director role on behalf of Lightstone and helping to work and grow the companies that they invest in. That's another thing that I really liked about Lightstone is that you know, they get very involved with the companies that they invest in. And, um, you know, I think that's important because you want a strong network when you're building a company. And it's certainly very important for the investors to be behind you. And I, I like and have seen how they've done that firsthand. So, you know, I certainly am amenable and open to all of that. And, you know, fortunately with their personalities, they've been extremely welcoming of that as well. And they're, they are a terrific group. Just final question, looking at early stage med tech, uh, obviously there are fewer venture firms investing uh, in that area, but there are investments being made. Is the the uh, population of investors in medtech, uh, is it just different? Is there different, you know, you mentioned the corporates are taking earlier, making earlier investments, certainly seeing individuals and other groups stepping up. What is the, the population of early stage investors look like to you as, as a, a, now a member of the VC firm? Yeah, well, I mean, I think to your point, and I'm not expert in this, but, you know, there's been a lot of med tech VCs that have gone by the wayside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so the top line stories have been, you know, there's been less Series A, there's less companies being started, there's less venture capitalists, and it would be easy potentially to take a pessimist view. Um, but we don't take that view. We actually think it's a great time to be in med tech. And there's a little bit of call it the econ 101 concept in place, which is, you know, the large med techs, they still require growth, innovation, and M&A. And so I think there's a nice match between the VCs that are still in the space looking and being willing to fund the right ideas. I think the ideas that are getting funded, they're tending to get to earlier exits because they're, you know, if they've gone through the gauntlet, they're more robust ideas. And so there's kind of this nice match of supply and demand. And, you know, if we pick well, we think that there's going to be the right exit. And I think the other VCs that are still in the space would say that about MedTech. And it's been interesting just when you look at the data from 2014, 2015, 
you know, it is perhaps not as much total money in as there has been in the past, but the exits have been continuous. They've been, you know, stable to very strong. And I think they have the promise of back to our earliest discussion, helping to solve some of healthcare's big problems. So, you know, we're very positive about it at Lightstone. And, um, you know, I just think there's a lot of opportunity, even if it's more selective. Terrific. Well, we're, uh, we'll talk a lot about that at the MedTech conference. And again, we're very grateful to have you uh, play such a key role in that event. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you for putting that conference together, because I think it's, you know, an outstanding discussion. Excellent. Well, we'll see you in Minneapolis. Sounds awesome. Thanks so much, Tom. Well, thanks, Stacy, for joining us on the MedTech Talk podcast. Congratulations on your new post at Lightstone, uh, working with a great group of people, just adding to uh, to the greatness with uh, Stacy coming aboard Lightstone. Thanks also for all the work you're doing on the MedTech Conference. And uh, last bit of thank you, of course, to our listeners of the MedTech Talk podcast. Go to medtechconference.com to find out more information about Stacy's conversation with Jeff Martha, as well as the many other issues that we'll be tackling on that day. The conference is on June 1st. Go to medtechconference.com to register, and we will see you in Minneapolis.